0: Uh, tight actually means that either the muscle will not lengthen to its proper length. Like it just is, you know, unable to fully lengthen. And usually that happens because the brain tells it not to. Um, or there's actual contraction inside the muscle itself, a part of the muscle that's contracted. And we would kind of, you know, commonly call that a muscle knot, you know, or or a section of the muscle that is contracted that is not letting go.
1: That was Christine Koth, physical therapist and author of Tight Hip, Twisted Core, the key to unresolved pain. Today, we're talking about muscle knots. You'll learn the causes of muscle tightness and the best way to treat tight muscles. You'll discover the significance of anterior pelvic tilt when you have chronic back pain, as well as how to test yourself to find out if your pelvis has an anterior tilt. On the opposite end of the spectrum from muscle tightness, you'll find out how hypermobility can lead to joint instability and back problems and how it's linked to back pain during pregnancy. Stay tuned for the second half of Christine's interview for all that good stuff And more, just before we press play on the music, quote of the day, which Canadian poet, writer and filmmaker, recipient of multiple literary awards, including the Book of Prize, said, We all have an old knot in the heart we wish to untie. Answer at the end of today's show. joining me for episode 42 of the Back Pain Liberation podcast. My name's Ian Barker here to help you find your way out of chronic back pain. So this is the second part of the interview with Christine Koth. Today we talk about muscle knots and how to treat tight muscles. Pregnancy back pain and how that's linked to hypermobility joint pain as well as anterior pelvic tilt. What is it and how to test whether you have it. Just a reminder, quote of the day, which Canadian poet, writer, and filmmaker, recipient of multiple literary awards, including the Booker Prize, said, we all have an old knot in the heart that we wish to untie. Answer at the end of today's show. So let's get straight back to the interview with Christine now. And you talk about, um, people often say, that they they feel tight or they say I'm so tight but then you you kind of imply that's not always an accurate description uh of what what people are actually going through tightness in the muscle
0: right yeah this is something I've discovered as a physical therapist over the years you know people are like oh I need to can you teach me a stretch because I I feel so tight in my shoulder or I feel so tight in my hip or something and and this word is something that's used for a lot of different reasons that aren't necessarily accurate. And you yeah. know, I chose to put this in the book because I'm talking a lot about what a tight hip is. Yeah, I wanted to be really clear what it means to be tight. You know, yeah. tight does not mean pinched. It does not mean pain. It does not mean um, you know that you feel a stress, a stretching sensation. Uh, tight actually means that either the muscle will not lengthen to its proper length like it just is you know unable to fully lengthen and usually that happens because the brain tells it not to yeah um or there's actual contraction inside the muscle itself a part of the muscle that's contracted and we would kind of you know commonly call that a muscle knot, you know, or a section of the muscle that is contracted that is not letting go. Yeah, Those two are really the, you know, the proper definitions for what it means to be tight. And when I talk about the hip being tight and the iliacus being tight in particular, that's what I'm referring to is having muscle tension that is not, not letting go. I, okay. I, I use the example when I'm working with clients and I lie them down on the table, you know, so they're completely relaxed. So they have yeah. nothing else to do except just lie there. Yeah. And in that position, there's no muscle that should be working. Yeah. You know, but if I go and I touch the iliacus, for example, or the quad, for example, and there's yeah. tension in that muscle, yeah, that's tightness.
1: Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. So, um, I guess we've already covered, we've already touched on this, but, um, you know, if, if a muscle is tight, what can we do about it?
0: So stretching is the common thing that we go to first and stretching is actually a great tool. Uh, it helps to kind of integrate the brain with the idea that this muscle can lengthen nice and long and can then, you know, go back to its baseline, um, length. And stretching also is great for increasing circulation. We everything in our in our body needs really good blood supply and circulation, yeah. which helps yeah. bring nutrients to the area. It helps to clear out toxins and waste. Um, you know, so it's a really great tool. Also, really great for um, when you have created you know like if you really worked out hard and you want your healing of that muscle to to occur in a proper way stretching helps the muscle fibers to orientate in the proper direction so that those muscle fibers can be the most effective as they rebuild themselves okay so stretching is you know is one tool that kind of you know in some small ways will help with tightness Um, but it's oftentimes not enough And we talked earlier about prolonged pressure and the importance of prolonged pressure. When we're experiencing uh, muscle tension or like a muscle knot or part of the muscle that is contracted, um, stretching oftentimes isn't enough to get that to go away. Uh, Most of the time it's not. It's a good adjunct, but not enough. And that's where the prolonged pressure comes in really yeah. being able to find the spot that's tight putting prolonged pressure on it so we can change the um the holding pattern basically yeah, um, yeah. what our brain is choosing to to do on that particular area of the
1: muscle yeah a lot of these things they kind of come down to habit don't they
0: yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely you know yeah. we, we want people to have the right habits or so the habits that are effective like you you know we like we talked about, our lives are super busy. We've got a lot going yeah. on. Um, you know, for me as a physical therapist, I only give people the things that they absolutely have to do in the most efficient. You know, kill as many birds with one stone type of. Yeah,
1: thing. yeah. We're
0: going to give you the results that that are long lasting, not just temporary. You know, and this is a perfect example of that. Using you know stretching versus prolonged pressure, it's like you get so much more bang for your buck. When you can find that muscle knot, hold it, you know, for that 90 seconds. Um, we'll give you so much more than,
1: you know, months. And ago. you can check your emails at the same time.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you catch up on catch up on, you know, listening to your podcast. That's what people yeah. should be doing.
1: <laughs> uh, everyone should listen to podcasts. Yeah, definitely. It's all about priorities. <laughs> Especially in this one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so part two of the book. Why is my hip so tight? So what causes this problem in the first place, I guess?
0: So we alluded to this a little bit about sitting, right? We live in this world where we sit way too long. So you can, that's driving, sitting at your desk, um, sitting and watching television, whatever the case may be. Lots of examples in our lives of sitting. Yeah, um, driving in particular can be even more challenging yeah. because we use our hip flexor on the, yes. the leg that we're you know our right leg yeah we're
1: using our it's like right to leg. really struggle with driving actually for exactly that reason and also depending on where you're driving it can be quite stressful can't it so Absolutely. you kind of you get a little bit of tension from that as well yeah yeah.
0: And the pelvic area is an area that a lot of people hold tension in. It's either, either yeah. that, or it could be the, the base of the skull and the neck. Those are two areas yeah. that tend to be where yeah. our fight and flight um, yeah. will cause tension. Mm. So, you know, stress is a big component. Trauma in that area can cause tightness in that hip. Um, any kind of issues with the, the organs, you know, so digestive issues, reproductive issues. Um, yeah. Urinary issues can also contribute mm. to tightness in that area because your body just wants to protect you. Yeah, you know, if there's something that's inflamed or irritated, um, your your brain just says like I want to I want to kind of keep this safe and and tightness is one of the things it chooses to do. Yeah. So those are you know some common examples. Other things when you look at athletic pursuits, you know, if you are someone um, who is using overusing the the soas and the iliacus. Um, when you overuse a muscle, that's another example of how it, it can choose to get tight. Um, so certain sports like running, um, cycling, cycling puts the muscle into a shortened position. Running uses the hip flexor a lot. Yeah. Um, kicking sports, of course, you know you're using your hip flexor quite a bit there. Um, yeah. Lots of heavy lifting. If you're you know a CrossFit athlete or you're you know a gym rat and you're doing a lot of deep squats, that. The the iliacus and the psoas, its job is to really stabilize yeah. the connection between the spine and the hips. And when you're putting a lot of strain on it, where that stability, you know, is, is threatened, it can cause those muscles to decide to contract and stay on for good. Yeah. You know, so the athletic population. You know, I've seen so many people um, with that are you know really intense athletes that end up with tightness in their hips for that reason. Yeah. And then last but not least is the hypermobile co- population.
1: What well, is kind of interests me because I'm a I'm a bit of a stiffy. You know, I'm one of those people. You know, I've you mentioned yoga later on in the book. Yeah. You know, I've I've if I do yoga. I'm the person who can't sort of get into the pose, you know. Some people... Uh, I did a, quite a lot of Tai Chi and mostly you're on your feet, but off, some things you're kind of sitting down on the floor uh, with like legs stretched out in front of you. Mm-hmm. And some people, they can do that and then sort of lean forward and almost get their forehead on the, the the floor. I mean, I find it uncomfortable to just try and... It's as much as I can do to sit upright yeah. with my legs out in front of me. You know, I'm I'm not flexible and I'm quite st- stiff. So it was kind of interesting to me to read your book from someone who's com- completely you know coming from the completely opposite sort of end of the spectrum because mm. I understand you're you're a very flexible sort of almost hypermobile. So yeah. you your your issues if anything would come from like the other the other side as it were.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, we're all I the ideal situation is that we're in balance. Yeah. yeah. So, so for you, doing more stretching and more flexibility yeah. activities is going to bring you into better balance. You know, yeah. where your where your stability and your mobility are in balance, because you probably have more stability than you do mobility. Yes. Um, whereas someone who is the person who can bring their forehead to the floor when they're yeah. you know, in a forward fold they need more stability. They do not need more stretching at all.
1: (laughs) What I didn't really get, uh, and you can maybe explain to me now is if someone's hypermobile like that, Mm -hmm. how is it that they're also tight in the iliacus?
0: I know. Isn't it, isn't it an amazing oxymoron? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's such a mystery and it's so common. So, um, so people can, there's a difference between being able to lengthen a muscle and yeah. whether or not at rest the muscles holding tension. Yeah. So using the using the hip flexors, the iliacus and the psoas, as an example, it, you could go into a really deep lunge, lunge pose and really be, you know, quote, stretching the iliacus and psoas. And maybe even deep, deep into that lunge pose, you don't even feel a stretch. This is how a lot of people who are very mobile can be. Yeah. Um, so their range of motion is really good. You know, the muscle is able to lengthen really long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then if that same person lies down on their mat in savasana and you know, someone were to come up to them and touch that iliacus or psoas, there would be muscle knots in that muscle and there would be tension in that muscle.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah. So there's, you know, just because you can stretch a lot, you know, through a decent range of motion does not mean that you don't are not holding tension in the muscle. Okay. And this is the thing that a lot of yogis and dancers and and people who are, you know, gymnasts, people who are very mobile, um, end up um, experiencing because what happens is when when you're good at something, right? Like if you are just naturally someone who's flexible, yeah. you're gonna to tend to sign up for yoga classes or yes. become a dancer, yeah. ballet dancer, or something like that. Um, and those professions or those activities end up creating, you know, more and more flexibility. You're always working yes. deeper into your splits, yeah. or, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah.
0: And that creates more and more instability, you know, and pretty soon you're not just stretching muscles, you're stretching ligaments and you're stretching joint capsules and you're you're creating more and more looseness to your body. So then the iliacus and the psoas, you know, because their job is to hold the top half of your body and the bottom half of your body together, those muscles are going to say, okay, we have a really tough job to do. We need, a, you know, this body keeps getting more and more mobile. We have to get more and more tight to hold it together, and that. So
1: they're compensating for the excess uh, mobility yep. elsewhere.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: So yeah, then okay. you have
0: this underlying tension that's going, you know, that's there, and it's, 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 um, you know, every day as you're moving and walking and just doing normal things, it's pulling on you and tugging on you, and then people end up with back pain or tailbone pain or knee pain or whatever the case may be yeah
1: yeah that makes sense and you mentioned um pregnancy uh that obviously has effects on on the body and um joints tend to sort of relax a little bit more so it's kind of ties into the to a similar sort of idea i suppose
0: yes the hypermobile um body is you know anyone who has had a child who's carried a child um your body releases relaxin which causes the, the pelvis to become more mobile uh, you know this is part of what allows us to to give birth to a, a child um, And because of that, that creates an instability and similarly causes tightness in that iliacus and psoas as it tries to stabilize. It's very common for for women who are pregnant to have tailbone problems, SI joint problems, low back problems.
1: I didn't Um, know that. Oh, well, obviously I knew about back pain, but I didn't know particularly um, SI joint problems and uh, tailbone problems.
0: Yeah, very common. And then those things oftentimes persist after they have the child because that weakness has been developed. And those muscles have, you know, kind of been traumatized.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, chronic pain is a kind of strange beast, isn't it? Uh, It it kind of commits itself to memory in some way, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, there's definitely the neurological, you know, effects of of having any kind of instance, even if it's an injury that was caused by some sort of trauma or something that accumulates over time. you know, this is the neuroscience behind yeah. how our brain is connected to our muscles and our perception of yeah. pain. Um, yeah. You know, so so ultimately, we want you know the way to one of the ways to get out of pain is to really understand why why it's happening in the first place, and to give our brains a really clear understanding you know of what to do and why it's there and how to move forward so that the fear that we're holding on into you know in the reptilian parts of our brain can, can yeah. simmer down a bit
1: yeah yeah makes total sense I want to take a quick break from the main program to take you on a journey of over 27 years back in time to 1993. So in February of that year, I first felt a kind of nagging pain near my right shoulder blade. And this pain would come and go and I didn't think too much about it to begin with. But in time, the pain got worse. It came more often, stayed for longer and hurt more severely. Also the pain and tightness spread across both the upper and the lower back. Naturally I went to my doctor for help but didn't really get anywhere going down that route even after repeated appointments with various specialists. Back then there were no podcasts, there was no internet so the flow of information was much more restricted and I kind of struggled on alone really, for many years trying to find a solution to my back pain. And it was over all those years that I guess you could say that I cracked the code, figured out what works and what doesn't, and the changes you need to make in your approach if you're serious about dealing with this problem. And as I was finally enjoying life without back problems, I started to get frustrated thinking about all the other people who at any given time, are struggling with that same pain, restriction, and anxiety that I used to have, many of them needlessly. So this is why I created BackPainLiberation.com back in 2013, and why I've been working to spread information and hopefully inspiration with this podcast. And it's why I'm inviting you, listening to this episode today, to take some time check out my online seminar, How to Beat Back Pain. In this web class, you'll discover the three commonly held misconceptions that keep millions of people, just like you, locked in the misery of chronic back pain, restricted and unable to reach their full potential, be it at work or in sports, hobbies, creative or outdoor pursuits. You'll learn why Treating back pain as a medical problem so often fails, leaving sufferers struggling to fulfill responsibilities to their partners, children or other family. You'll see how a vicious circle of restriction, fear and pain makes it hard for you to enjoy an active social life. What should be fun events become literally painful, leading to further isolation. You'll also find out how to break through the self-limiting beliefs by adopting the mindset of empowerment so that you can eliminate or at least significantly reduce your back pain and be free to focus instead on your career or personal goals and fulfillment. You'll hear how to implement the three pillars of the back pain liberation system to feel relaxed and comfortable Doing everyday stuff like making and enjoying a family dinner together. Maybe just mowing the lawn or driving on a shopping trip. You'll realize you can stop wasting time and money on ineffective treatments and therapies and avoid the risks of surgery and long-term use of pain medication. And you'll discover how to incorporate this unique, practical and effective self-help system into your busy life to feel confident and enjoy attending social gatherings, sports, and cultural events. This is important stuff. If you're serious about wanting a solution to your back pain, then you have to make the process of finding and implementing that solution a priority. I recommend that you set aside some time where you can focus your full attention on the webinar head over to backpainliberation.com slash priority and register for the next available session. That page one more time, backpainliberation.com slash priority. So that being said, let's get back in to the show. So part three of the book, A Tight Hip, twists the core and you talk about well we sort of mentioned it a little bit earlier but everything's everything being connected.
0: Correct yes so when that iliacus is tight or the psoas or both um, that tension pulls on the pelvic bone where it's the side that it's tight And it causes what what could be called an anterior rotation or a forward rotation of that side of the pelvis relative to the other side or relative to the tailbone. Yeah. That forward rotation puts strain where the tailbone meets the pelvis. It also causes a rotation in the spine and compression and shortening of the muscles on that side of the spine. Yeah. Um, which can irritate any underlying disc issue, or facet joint issue, or nerve issue, muscle issue mm. that's happening in the spine. Can even work its way up to contribute to scoliosis, and um, you know, shoulder imbalances, and even, even yeah. neck and headache things. Yeah. And then that 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 same rotation in the pelvis. Changes really the orientation of how the ball fits into the socket in the hip, because the socket of the hip is a part of the pelvic bone. Yeah. And when that socket is not fitting well into the hip joint, that can be, you know, create a predisposition for the hip joint rubbing the wrong way. You know, for arthritis developing in the hip, for labrum problems, um, snapping hip, pinching in the hip. Um, groin problems all of those can be origination, originated from that rotation of the pelvis and then they're just do, working its way down
1: yeah and it, are you saying that it tends to be on one side or is it more pronounced on one side how does it work
0: you know, it's actually if you if you end up having tightness in both of your iliacs equally, you're better off.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's well, like, I can imagine that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's if symmetrical. The hip, the pelvis being rotated forwards is obviously not good, but for it to be sort of rotated forwards just on one side and com- completely out of sort of balance in that plane as well, right? W- it w- would be worse, wouldn't it?
0: it? Yeah, and that's where you get the twisting. You know, the the
1: yeah, exactly. Part. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in my practice, I have seen maybe one or two people that have symmetrical tightness, but most people have tightness on one side versus the other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that strange? It is really
0: strange. And actually it's interesting. And I don't know um, if it's a geographical thing or not, but many people, most people have tightness on the right side versus the left side. Um, really? So I don't really, you know, I, I'd love to figure out. It's like a, it's like a question I've been asking for my whole career. Why that is? I want to know why. Um, well,
1: most people, the dominant leg is the right leg, isn't it? As is with most people, the right hand, the dominant hand.
0: Right. Well, there has been um, there was one study that was done because there's been more right hip replacements than left really? hip replacements, yeah. and there was one study that that looked at whether it was handedness, whether people who are right-footed, you know, had a higher chance of having a right hip replacement versus left-footed, um, and they okay. and they did not find a correlation.
1: Okay. In that
0: study, you know, but I think there's a lot more research to be done, and I I kind of feel like if we could answer that question. Um, you know that maybe there's a there's an answer to why hip replacements are so prevalent in our in our society because it's you know there's a high percentage of people that will end up having a hip replacement in their lifetime
1: well it's become pretty much uh, a straightforward standard procedure these days isn't it hip replacement i don't think it's like a really big deal anymore right it's in get it done and out and off you go you're done
0: (laughs) right right but my, my thing mm. is, like, why do we, you know, why do we even have to have surgery in the first place? You know, what yeah. are we doing in our lives that are creating, you know, yeah. that Yeah,
1: absolutely, yeah. Mm. I, even though that operation has been perfected and has been done, you know, countless times, of course, it would be better if we didn't have to do exactly. it. You know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if we could That's figure out, out, okay, what's, <laughs> what's going wrong here? You know, how could we make, uh, how could we, change what we do so that that joint lasts throughout our lives instead of having to be replaced yeah
0: well and i'm i don't know if there's a correlation but i am really curious of whether or not tightness in the iliacus is a cause of, of hip arthritis you know i know um many people who have had lots of symptoms in their hips lots of you know hip arthritic type pain um, who have had their iliacus released feel better. You know, I think the, yeah. the hip fits better into a socket, and it, you know, um, some of that rubbing is eliminated. So, you know, if we all had happy iliacus muscles, maybe, hmm. maybe we would end up with without a hip replacement. Yeah, the hypothesis worth exploring. That's for sure.
1: Oh, of course it is. <laughs> I mean, when you think about the, the treatments that people have, you know, this particular example. Uh, if you could replace hip replacement surgery with pressure. Exactly. <laughs> you know.
0: Yep. Here's a device that costs, you know, $140. You can use it for the rest of your life. You, yeah. can, you know, it you know release your iliacus every time it gets tight and you've been sitting too long on that airplane yeah. or whatever. Um, that's a much better uh, investment in healthcare dollars than, you know,
1: well, yeah, not just that, you know, the the person, the the individual, yeah, you know, absolutely. It, it's it's got to be a better better treatment option, hasn't yes. it?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So, was there anything else from from that um, that part of your book that um, that we would need to cover, or should I, we move on to the soften the hip to solve your pain bit? Well, I guess
0: I just would want to mention, too, that with the rotation of the pelvis forward and changing the orientation of where the ball fits into its socket, yeah. um, I think that you know it's really important to understand how that changes the mechanics of the leg. Um, yep. you know, that causes that rotation of that leg inward, strains the knee, and the inside of the knee compresses the knee on the outside. Um, also causes yeah. more pronation, more flat foot on that side. And also yeah. can lead to more bunion on that side as well. Okay,
1: yeah. Bunion, this is where the toe kind of points in, isn't it?
0: Exactly, yeah. The
1: big toe points into the other toes, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, really you may not know that your hip tightness oh. is causing yeah. one of these things. Maybe your symptom is plantar fasciitis or knee pain. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you're noticing that one of your legs is different than the other in this way it's worth investigating whether the tight hip is is part of what's contributing to that
1: well it certainly is isn't it yeah well I mean, that's a kind of if you were to have one or more of those problems that would um yeah, it'd be a bit of a health disaster, wouldn't it, that uh, you could perhaps fix fairly easily.
0: Exactly, yeah. And this is what I've seen in my practice, and this is why I ended up writing this book, because there was this pattern that just continued to show show itself. People come yeah. in, they've been they've tried all these different practitioners, they've done all these yeah. things, nothing has worked, and yeah. you know, when I assess them, they're like, okay, their quad strength is good, their, their core, they've been working on their core, they've been, you know, Going to the chiropractor, they've been, you know, doing their physical therapy exercises, and all, you know, all these ducks are in a row, except they're still having pain. Yeah. What is missing? And you know, these people who have done everything, yeah, you know, so many times, have come to me and found that you know, really, it's the missing link has been the iliacus.
1: Yeah. So you um you have a quiz uh in the book whereby uh, the reader can decide whether they actually do have a tight iliacus Mm -hmm. Uh, although it seems fairly complicated i'm I'm not sure i'm not sure it's something we could so can we give an overview of it now or or is it is it something you'd have to read in a book well
0: there there's certain signs that are that are um, commonly associated with tightness in the iliacus and i'll just give a couple examples Um,
1: please do yeah great
0: you know, so for example, if you are lying on your back and you bring your knee up to your chest and you feel a little bit of a pinch inside your groin or in your hip, um, yeah. that is a sign that your pelvis is possibly rotated, especially if you feel it on one side and not the other. Okay. Um, another example would be, um, if you are lying on your back and you have one leg up in the air and you go to lower it down to the ground and you feel it pop or a click in your hip oftentimes yeah. that is a is an indication that there's tension in that muscle as it's flipping over the bone or the orientation of the hip joint is um is um creating that pop
1: okay yep. that's
0: another kind of test that you can do um, some of the symptoms that we mentioned you know earlier when we we're talking about what happens when the pelvis gets rotated whether you have um, SI joint pain on one side, you have low back pain on one side, knee pain, bottom of the foot pain, bunion, um, knee pain. All of those things um, are indications of yeah. the hip is possibly involved. Um, you know, another thing that, that sometimes isn't super easy to find, figure out in yourself, but um, if you have a practitioner to look at, when you go from lying down to sitting up, if one leg gets shorter, when okay. you go from lying down to sitting up, um, that is an indication. It's a very strong indication of a of a of an anterior rotation, which would be caused by tight ilia. Yeah,
1: that makes sense. Yeah, that would be quite hard to spot in yourself, wouldn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, you can if it's pretty. If it's a drastic. Um, in balance, you can see it, you know, you see yeah, okay. where one leg gets shorter. Um, but oftentimes you need someone kind of looking at your
1: yeah, feet. Yeah. <laughs> like you get your head's in the wrong place for really, it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So these are all, you know, examples, um, of, of, things that would be indicators that potentially this is a, a problem yeah. for you. Um, yeah. Growing pain when you're know, like when maybe when you are sitting for a long period of time and you go to sit up stand up and you feel it a little bit in your hip you have to take a few steps before you feel um, yeah. normal that's another indicator
1: yeah that makes sense yeah yeah and um so having done the quiz and um decided okay yeah i think i do have a, a tight iliacus so then you mentioned three steps that um you can take to kind of uh, approach that problem
0: yes you know i'm all like i said earlier i'm all about efficiency like i want you to get the absolute most important things um done and you know take away all the fluff take away all the extra things and that's why i broke it down into these these three steps these three things are the most essential pieces of the puzzle and yeah. without doing all three, the results, you know, are, are are not gonna happen. Or if you choose to, you know, these just these three things are just really, really important. Yeah. The first thing is to release the front of the hip. And this is yeah. what we talked about releasing the iliacus. Yeah. In the book, I give three ways to do that. You can use mm-hmm. the hip hook, which will be available in a few months, and you can pre-order soon. Okay. Um, you can also use a three and a half um, inch to four inch ball. Um, Okay. now this is not as effective as the hip hook because it can't put pressure in towards the iliacus, but indirectly by pulling on the fascia does do, it does release, um, a little bit of the psoas and iliacus. So it's definitely, if you don't have the hip hook, um, or you don't have access to that, it's still an effective tool and will give you a good, a good amount of relief. Yep. And then the other option would be to have someone do it, release it for you. So whether you take your book, you know, into your physical therapist or your massage therapist or chiropractor and say, can you do this technique on me? (laughs) That's one suggestion. Um, Mm -hmm. I also, you know, have had many people use their partners or friends or, you know, people that can, you know, come over and and deliver that technique um,
1: to. So you can't do it with your own fingers on your own. Iliacus then.
0: You know, you can really because it's, it's awkward, you know, you have to put yeah, your okay. own yeah. hand inside your pelvis. You can yeah. um get at it a little bit, but yeah, you get tired pretty quick because you're not yeah you don't have the right leverage, the right Yeah. Level. Um it's definitely worth poking in there, you know, <laughs> <an inch>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but so as a lay person then, say if um you know, you wanted to get your partner to do it. Could would they be able to find it with with their with their fingers and and put pressure on it?
0: Yeah. Well, part of it is you know it's a communication between you as the person receiving the treatment and the person delivering the treatment, right? So, yeah. um, I talk about in the book. You know, you okay. find the front of the pelvis, and you know, if you put your hands on your hips and you have your fingertips at the tip of your pelvis, the front of your pelvic bone. Yeah, you can yeah. Feel that yeah. bony prominence that sticks out.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, that's your ASIS it's called and inside that right inside that bone is where the iliacus lives yeah, so okay. that is right where you want to be pressing
1: you've been listening to the second part of the interview with physical therapist Christine Koth head over to the show notes at slash episode 42 for all the links for Christine and her book Tight Hip, Twisted Core The key to unresolved pain. More great information from Christine in the third and final instalment from her next time. Quote of the day was a bit of a tough one, so no shame if you didn't get it. The Canadian poet, writer and filmmaker, recipient of multiple literary awards, including the Booker Prize, who said, We all have an old knot in the heart we wish to untie was Michael Ondaatje. That's spelled O-N-D-A-A-T-J-E if you want to find out more about him and his work. Thanks to Christine for being so informative and great fun to talk to. And of course, thanks to you for listening. It's really all about my listeners. Without you, of course, there would be no point in podcasting. So I hope this episode served you. If so, then I'd really appreciate you taking a couple of minutes to rate review and share the podcast with anyone you know who has back issues that's all for today i'm ian barker this is the back pain liberation podcast all the best